It's Aisha here from God FM. I hope you're having an amazing day on this Sabbath day where we celebrate the life of Jesus, our daily sacrifice, our daily bread, our Savior and our Redeemer who gives us salvation through his blood. He bought us for a price, redeemed us, And so, in that we need to rest, but also, I think it's quite important to look at who we are in Christ and to also understand the power and the authority that comes with all of that. But also, we need to remember that we do have struggles in our lives, And sometimes it can be quite hard to know how to navigate these things. So today I wanted to talk about the love cup. Hmm. What is the love cup? Well, the love cup is about filling your cup up with the love of God. Because in the outside world, at the moment, everything is pretty horrendous. And it's um, sometimes quite hard to know how to get through it all and how to uh, digest it. (laughs) When I was uh, thinking about what I'm going to talk about today, I was thinking, well, what am I going to talk about exactly? And I was thinking, well, how many people I've been talking to who've told me that they're just feeling a bit flat (laughs) and, and tired? And who can blame them? Because we are dealing with a mind game out there in the world. And so with the mind game comes all the stresses of everyday life. I think in a way, if you look at it like this, Satan's done such a good job. He's made it almost impossible for you to have any time with the Lord. With your everyday jobs and looking after the children and managing everything so sometimes we just have to take a sit down and have a good old chin wag with the Lord and take rest under his wings he is our sanctuary after all so these are the things I want to talk about today but there's also certain things that I've done in my life to get through difficult times, which I feel that the Lord has urged me to share with you because it may help you. 
Okay, so just so you know who we are, it's Aisha from God FM. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, Samsung, Love Heart Radio, Chrome, Apple, Telegram. I think we're on YouTube. Yes, YouTube as well, TikTok. Some of the things aren't on all of the platforms, but you can find everything on Podbean, which is uh, podcasts. All, all of it's on there, and you just have to sign up, give an email, and create a password. It's totally free. Totally recommend that. If you need to find all of our media, go to Telegram, and you'll find us on GodFM Media. And for news, you'll find us at GodFM News as well. GodFM Bible School, GodFM Sermons, and God's Home Church School Network as well. So... If you want to email me, please can uh, admin at godfm.org.uk. We also have a WhatsApp group. Okay. So I don't claim to be anything different to anyone else. I'm just a child of God sharing my experiences, hoping that these messages will encourage others. Okay. So starting from the top, Bible, fill your cup. Psalm 23, colon, 5 to 6. You treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honor me as your guest, and you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life. And I will live forever in your house, Lord. And that's so beautiful, that. My next heading is fill your cup with love. If you're feeling tired, I think it's actually related to love. If you notice, when you have loved someone and fallen in love, it's an incredible excitement and joy and butterflies you get inside your heart when you're thinking about somebody and you're falling in love. It's it's a very beautiful experience. It's um, something that I can't actually put in towards the feeling of it. And so this is the cup that you can fill yourself up with from the Lord as well, because he offers the same love. And I think it's important to revisit what love is and how to fill this cup. You can actually do so whenever you want to, when you're in the worst places. And I'm going to try and uh, explain this Um, and help you with that today. (laughs) We have uh, the secret place in the Bible. Depending on the Bible translation used, the term secret place can appear in dozens of times in the Old Testament and the New Testaments. Some translations use the word shelter, covering or dwelling rather than secret place. In the Old Testament, the term secret place comes from the Hebrew root word, sether, which means to hide or be concealed. This word is used in Psalm 139.15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Here it speaks of the hidden world of a mother's womb as a child develops. But this word is also used in Psalm 32.7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. 
Although a secret place can refer to a physical location, in most often can relate to the soul in a relationship with God. Psalm 27,5 says, For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent he will hide me, he will lift me up on a rock. The psalmist is not referring to an actual tabernacle or tent in which he will hide from physical enemies. He is speaking of the state of peace God gives us in the midst of trials and attacks. The idea of a secret place originates with God because he is spirit and his glory is beyond our ability to perceive. We must meet with him in the secret places of the heart in order to communicate with him. When Moses wanted to see the glory of God, the Lord explained that no man could see God and live in Exodus 32, 33:20. So God allowed Moses to see his glory only from a secret place. Don't you think that's very amazing? <laughs> in Exodus 33:22, God said, "When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Here God gives us a glimpse into what we must do to experience the presence of God. It can only be enjoyed when we enter his secret place. Psalm 91,1 gives us a good illustration of the value of a secret place. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Think of the secret hiding places we enjoyed as children. Imagine being 10 years old and finding a secret hiding place under the stairs or under some bushes. <laughs> Let me just turn the page two seconds. And it always feels very magical in that childlike state of mind. He felt protected from the world. And no one could do anything to you there. And so, because it was a secret place, it was only for you as well. And this is what the psalmist is painting in 91. God has a secret hiding place and he invites each of us to join him there. Notice that he does not invite us to visit. The promise is to those who dwell there. To dwell means to live there. It becomes our address. God invites us to pack up and move to his secret place. To do so, we must walk away from the clamor and enticements of the world. We must be willing to quiet our hearts before him and allow him to investigate those inner recesses we reveal to no one else. Secret places imply honesty and trust. We cannot join God in a secret place unless we are willing to be transparent and honest with him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, colon 66, beg your pardon, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Jesus was not necessarily indicating a physical place we must enter into, but it's our spiritual meeting place with the Lord. Quiet locations help, and we should seek solitude. 
when we want to spend uninterrupted time with the Lord. It is also helpful to have a designated place that we spend time with God. Jesus did this while on earth. Although he often prayed in public, he also slipped away from the crowds and even his closest friends had come with him to spend time alone. In Mark 1, 35 and Luke 4, 42, it tells us this. But the secret place that the Psalm 91 describes is not a physical location. It is a state of spiritual rest that prevails over all obstacles, regardless of the outside circumstances that we're facing. There's a great benefit from dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. When we choose to leave behind the world's delights in favor of a lifestyle of spiritual devotion, God draws near in new ways. In James 4, 8, we begin to see our sin the way he does. Isaiah 6, 1-5, time spent in the presence of God reveals our true thoughts and selfish motivations that might otherwise escape unnoticed. From this secret place, the fruit of the Spirit takes root and grows. In Galatians 5, 22, we start to see our lives from an eternal perspective. Earthly frustrations lose their significance. We do not have to neglect our responsibilities or relationships to dwell in the secret place. The key to moving there is a total surrender to the Holy Spirit and the will of God and uh, for our lives. This decision dominates our actions and changes our outlook. As we obey, God meets us in the secret place. See John 14, 21. He teaches us and encourages us to remain there. Our continual choice to surrender fully to Him results in His continued strength in us. If our lives are to bear a lasting fruit, the power to bear that fruit comes from the time spent with Him in that secret place. You can find references to this in John 15, 4-5, Corinthians 3, 14-15, and Psalm 92, 12-14. What I'm going to try and do with you today is I'm going to try and take you to a secret place that I go to and see if this is any good for you because it's very good for me. <laughs> so if you've got a second, go and get yourself a cup of tea and sit down and I shall take you on a little journey with me. I would suggest that you close your eyes as well. Hmm. I call this place the secret garden and I want you to imagine that you have a special garden that you can visit. In this garden are two chairs, one for you and one for Jesus. In this garden it is covered with a beautiful trellis with white roses and grapes because it is also a vine and it also has the most incredible beautiful little white flowers which have bits of blossom glistening in the sunshine and they look like stars. The sun is so bright 
that you feel warm in your heart when you sit in this garden. Next to the chairs is a big rainbow, and the rainbow fills this area with multiple colors that light up this area very beautifully. It's just so beautiful to look at because it reflects all of the celestial things in the ground. The ground is made of a slasto type of marble and it reflects the sun and also the sky above. It's the most perfect day in this garden and there's absolutely nothing bad in this garden. It's the light of Jesus Christ Christ that overcomes the darkness in this garden. It's a place that you can visit at any time. To the side of the sitting area is a waterfall. It has a pond and in this pond are some fish and they're really big fish, goldfish and trout and they're really large. There's also some ducks there and swans and they come to feed just near this area which also you can hear flute music and very beautiful music going on in the background with the sound of the swans and the ducks and the splashing of the water and the waterfall. You can almost hear the stars singing as well. You can actually see yourself there from a distance looking outside in. And under this waterfall is a shower area that is made out of solidified water which is like a glass. When you get into this area you can take a shower literally below the stars and it feels like stars are just dropping over you. Little stars, beautiful clean water, it's filling you and cleaning you and you shower and you feel clean and it washes all the dirt that was on you that was weighing you down and as you feel yourself being cleaned you feel yourself floating up into the clouds where you're also still in the garden because it's a virtual place and floating in these clouds are the two chairs it's a multi-dimensional garden and the rainbows are there as well glistening and shining lights all the stars are shining through it's a beautiful area there's no negative thoughts it's only filled with love peace joy and courage faith and it fills your cup right up as you stare at the sun the sun glows over you you are literally floating on a cloud and it's like a giant pillow that separates you from all the hatred of the world there are little bouncing hearts all around you and as you look at them you notice there are angels also all over just watching and singing glory glory to the lord they're beautiful wings and as you look at them you notice that the wings are actually shaped like hearts they pass you little white flowers and they're floating in the air these little white flowers and they look a bit like stars because they they glisten but like crystals you see Jesus standing there 
looking quite content, with his hands wide open, ready to give you a big hug. So you run over and you lay on his lap. You put your head on his chest and you feel the heartbeat of the earth. And all you can feel is love, peace and joy. As you lay there, you feel the little raindrops hitting your head and you realize that these raindrops are Jesus' tears of love and each raindrop contains so much power it is the water of life and eventually a whole cup of this water is filled up ready for you to drink and it's the cup of living water so you take a drink of this water and feel your body light up with the light and the life of Jesus Christ. The excitement and the joy inside your heart cannot be compared with anything else in the world. This truly is the most exquisite feeling. And so you can go to this place and feel his presence in the garden, the secret garden, at any time. The Lord loves you so very, very much. So I hope you've enjoyed that beautiful place. When I was writing it, I actually cried. It was so beautiful. And it's hard to put it into words. <clears throat> Why is it so important to spend some time with the Lord in this place? Because we can't survive in this world without the Lord. And he lives within us. So he's with us wherever we go. And he does fill us up. And it's quite amazing. It's like, you know, when you have children and you're so busy with life and they want to go and play outside. And you say, in a minute, in a minute, dear, I'm busy at the moment. And then you realize that they're in their 20s already. You just didn't make enough time for them. Well, the thing with the Lord is he's always there. Because time, space and matter does not exist in the place of the Lord. So it doesn't matter what's going on in the physical world. You've got him there with you. And he's always beckoning you, please, please come and spend some time with me. But like that child I was saying about. And so when I think of that, my heart aches. I think, oh, I feel bad that I didn't spend enough time with my children. And so I don't want to feel bad that I didn't spend enough time with the Lord. And because it's a virtual reality that goes alongside our timely reality, you can do it all the time. It's just about practice, making perfect. Hmm. So, let's look at what love is. A biblical understanding of what love is, it's all-consuming, empowering, and it lives in each of us. Our heart is the symbol of love that resides in us, and God is the symbol of love that reflects down on earth. When you understand love, it unites us all, and it is peace and joy and freedom, all the characteristics of the Lord, which gives us 
all of the peace and joy and love inside our hearts, but also Jesus left us with his helper and he also left us with his peace. This is important that you realize that he did this for us. You know, with all of your unhappy feelings, they're going to contradict with who you are when you're reborn in Christ. So you have to go to the secret place for a regular clean and wash. <laughs> but it's back to basics as well. Realizing that life is not about the material world, but it's about your heart. So we can try and look at that together, working on the heart. My next heading is Loving God. I'm going to look to Matthew 22, colon 37 to 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. My next heading is the heart earth. Since we become new creatures, we really do give birth to a new being. In 2 Corinthians 5 colon 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone. The new is here. My next heading is your inner child. Do you know, since I grew up, I realized that there is another part of me which is still a child that I forgot about when I grew up. There's a little child inside, an innocent part of me that's been hidden for many years. Due, due to the everyday life and hardships and the hatred and the anger of people, and I say, so I want you to think about your inner child and who you really were as a child and letting this inner child come back out of you to express who you really, really are deep down. The only way to do this, of course, is to love that inner child and to forgive yourself for all the things that you have done. This is a process of forgiveness and surrender about handing everything over to the Lord Jesus. And the grown-up version of you has to let go, and the inner child of you can come back out to life. Being, this is about being reborn as well, creating a whole new you. The next heading I have <coughs> is the lion and the lamb. <laughs> The way I look at it is when you're a child, you're like a little lamb and you have a standard growing up process. But sometimes we're forced into situations and we have to become a lion early. And so this sometimes means that you're a lion before you are ready. It also means that the lamb has not been able to work itself to manifest its full capacity because the lamb blossoms into a lion. But if it happens too early, then you become a raging lion and the lamb gets forgotten. So what I've discovered is that you have to revisit this inner child in you 
as in the little lamb, to nourish the little lamb in place of all those people who didn't give you the love that you needed. Follow up on that love with yourself in order for the lamb to blossom properly in line with the characteristics that make the lamb become a lion. <clears throat> okay. Now, also, if you notice, a lion is quite often fierce, especially if she's got cubs. She becomes protective and quite aggressive. When you're forced into becoming a lion too early, then the lion inside you has not developed. And this is what's needed to direct and drive the steps of the lion that you also are. So sometimes we have to revisit the lamb within ourselves. This in involves acknowledging the pitfalls and the failures of forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. When we have fully emptied out all of the little niggles and embers of fire that cause pain, then we are able to put it out with splashes of water which come with the rebirth, which is fully manifesting the lamb inside. By washing us clean, this allows the lamb to fully develop into the lion. This is the way I see it. Like for me, I didn't really have a chance to be this innocent lamb for long. Everything happened quite quickly and suddenly I was a lion. <laughs> and what happens when that happens <coughs> is you become a raging lion. You become fierce because you have to stand up for yourself because there's no one else to stand up for you. And this is good because it builds your strength, but it's also quite damaging because with the inner child part of you, which is the lamb, that lamb is the part that develops the love. So if it's switched off too early, then hatred and anger can be this, the main characteristics of defense and protecting this inner child. It's like a wall that you put around yourself to protect the inner lamb because you've been under attack. So it's like you're protecting your inner child who is also you. And so it's quite deep in the mental understanding of it. It's my daughter who brought this to my attention and I totally identify with it. And so, this is why I think the world is in a bit of a mess because the families have been broken apart. Countries have been broken. We've all been betrayed. We've all been lied to. And only Christ can set us free from the mind games, this matrix which is fired up by hatred and anger and all the negative forces that are at work. The only way to conquer it 
is with love. So we have to revisit those areas that maybe didn't get the attention that they needed. So for me, I had to become a lion very early. And with that, often what I found is that I justify bad behavior as well. Um, a lot of pity me parties. I also found that people did not want to help me because there was this lion type of aggressive, fierce, quite frightening person. And people don't like that. I felt threatened by it. Because I forgot who I was. I'd become something I was not too early. And I wonder how many other people have had this. And this is because the family's been broken up. And so people are missing the elements that construct the child. Lamb within us all. The only way to fix it is to come back to Christ, to Jesus Christ. Because he can fill your love cup right up. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine that Christ is standing in front of you there and his light is so bright and he's passing you a cup full of light and you're drinking this cup and as you drink it, it fills your whole body with love and light, life, truth, the word, everything about this is fulfilling you and nourishing all the empty areas of darkness. As it goes into your body, it pierces through your whole physical body. It punches through all the dark areas. But as you've drunk this, you also now glow with light and you feel love and peace and joy and total contentment because you realize that you don't need anything else because Christ is inside you. He's filled you with all that love. You don't need anything else. And you take a deep breath and you feel nourished and fed and your spirit is fed. You connect up with Jesus. You realize that he's there all the time. But the hassles and hustle and bustle of the world have blinded you to see him. He's with you everywhere. And as your light fills you, he reaches out his hand and you grab his hand and together you walk in perfect unity. And the Lord is with you. He holds you, your hand wherever you go. He loves you so very much. Hmm. My next heading is the Lamb in the Bible. And so what I wanted to bring this up because it is so relevant. When Jesus is called the Lamb of God in John 1, 
29 and John 1 36. It is referring to him as the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for sin. In order to understand who Christ was and what he did, we must begin with the Old Testament, which contains prophecies concerning the coming of Christ as a guilt offering in Isaiah 53.10. In fact, the whole sacrificial system established by God in the Old Testament set the stage for the coming of Jesus Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice that God would provide as atonement for the sins of his people in Romans 8.3 and Hebrews 10. The sacrifice of the lambs of the lamb played a very important role in the religion of the Jewish sacrificial system. When John the Baptist referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world in John 1 29, the Jews who heard him might have immediately thought of any one of several important sacrifices. With the time of the Passover feast being very near, the first thought might have been the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. The Passover feast was one of the main Jewish holidays and a celebration in remembrance of God's deliverance of the Israelites from bondage in, Is in Egypt. In fact, the slaying of the Passover lamb and the applying of the blood to the doorposts of the houses in Exodus 12, colon 11 to 13, is a beautiful picture of Christ's atoning work on the cross. Those for him, whom he died are covered by his blood, protecting us from the angel of spiritual death. Another important sacrifice involving lambs was the daily sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. Every morning and evening, a lamb was sacrificed in the temple for the sins of Jerusalem. Every morning and evening, a lamb was sacrificed in the temple for the sins of the people. In Exodus 29, colon 38-42, these daily sacrifices, like all others, was simply to point the people towards the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross. In fact, the time of Jesus' death on the cross corresponds to the time the evening sacrifice was being made in the temple. The Jews at the time would have also been familiar with the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah, who foretold the coming of the one who would be brought like a lamb led to slaughter in Jeremiah 11, colon 19 and Isaiah 53 colon 7 and whose sufferings and sacrifice would provide redemption for Israel of course that person was none other than Jesus Christ the Lamb of God hmm. while the idea of a sacrificial system might seem strange to us today the concept of payment or restitution is still one we can easily understand we know that the wages of sin is death in Romans 6, 23, and that our sin separates us from God. We also know the Bible teaches we are all sinners and none of us is righteous before God in Romans 3, 23. Because of our sin, we are separated from God and we stand guilty before him. Therefore, the only hope we have is 
if he provides a way for us to be reconciled to himself. And that is what he did in sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Christ died to make atonement for sin and to pay the penalty of sins for all who believe in him. It is through his death on the cross as God's perfect sacrifice for sin and his resurrection three days later that we can now have eternal life if we believe in him. The fact that God himself has provided the offering that atones for our sins is part of the glorious good news of the gospel that is clearly declared in 1 Peter 1, 18 18-21. For you know that it is was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed to, down to you from your forefathers but with precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Hmm. Now I want to compare the lamb and the lion. Hmm. And so this is my next heading. The lion and the lamb are two images and the names for God used in scripture that describe aspects of Jesus Christ. The attributes of Jesus are as powerful and majestic as a lion and innocent as a sacrificial lamb. Then, and then we've got this quote, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John 1 colon 29 and one of the elders said to me weep no more behold the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals in revelation 5 colon 5. many may look to isaiah 1 11 colon 6 as a passage that points to jesus as the lion and the lamb however this is a common misconception the author writes, and the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little boy will lead them. Here, Isaiah was prophesying the coming Messiah and the message of his gospel would temper even the wildest hearts and bring peace to those who were formerly enemies, i.e. wolves and lambs, calves, and young lions. Christ's connection to the lion and the lamb actually goes back much further and is revealed more thoroughly in Revelation 5, which we'll look at in a moment. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The earliest reference to Jesus as a lion, however, can be found in Genesis, where Jacob, Israel, delivers parting words to each of his sons when he arrives at Judah, his fourthborn. Jacob says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah, 
is a lion's whelp. From prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who dares rouse him up, question mark, the sceptre shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shilhoh comes. In Genesis 49, colon, 8 to 10. The significance of the lion and Judah. Here, the imagery of the lion reflects the powerful, majestic, and kindly nature of the lion, often regarded as the king of the beasts. Applied to Judah, this is significant because it heralds the lineage of Judah as that of kings. For out of Judah's line, King David and his descendants would rule over Israel until the time of the Babylonians' captivity in 1 Chronicles 2 and 2 Kings 24, the generations later. Jesus Christ would come as a descendant of David and Judah to forge a new covenant and usher in a new kingdom of heavenly glory in Matthew 1, 1-17. Furthermore, when Jacob says that the sceptre shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler staff from between his feet, he was also proclaiming the eventual eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, who will forever, as king, rule over the earth, the sceptre being a symbol of his kingly authority and lordship. This is the main reason why Jesus is often referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the king of kings. In the New Testament, the imagery of the lion is further fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who was prophesied to be the root of David in Isaiah 11, colon 1 to 2, and his branch in Zechariah 3, colon 8. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John is also given a vision of the heavenly throne room in which the one seated on the throne is handed a scroll sealed with seven seals. In Revelation 5, colon 1 to 3, when no one is found worthy to open the scroll, John begins to weep. Revelation 5, colon 4, this is when one of the elders says to him, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals in Revelation 5, colon 5. This is clearly referring to Jesus Christ, the root of David and the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is worthy to open the scroll for being the one to conquer sin and death through his work on the cross in 2 Timothy 1, colon 10, Isaiah 25, colon 8, 1 Corinthians 15, colon 25 to 26, and Hosea 13, colon 14. Here the true power of the King of Kings, Revelation 19, 16, and the Lord of Lords, Revelation 17, colon 14, is revealed as a lion who is majestic, fierce in love, and worthy to be called king. Jesus is the Lamb of God. In the later verses of Revelation 5, John then writes, And I saw between the throne, with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who was sat on the throne. 
Revelation 5, 6-7. With this revelation, John confirmed Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. For as the Lamb took the book, those witnessing sang, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 5:9. Significance of the Lamb. The Lamb has enormous significance going back to the days of Abraham and Moses in the Old Testament prior to the exodus of, from Egypt. The children of Israel were instructed to take the blood of an embellished, unblemished, unblemished lamb and smear it on the doorposts and the lintel of their houses in Exodus. And so the angel passes over through Egypt to strike down every firstborn of the households of the Egyptians. But those with the blood of the lamb on their doorposts would be passed over and spared. From that day on, the Lord commanded the Israelites to celebrate the annual Passover feast and to celebrate and remember their deliverance from Egypt and commemorate God's provision in their lives in Exodus 12, colon 14. Um, and in the Old Testament, the unblemished lamb was again used as a sacrifice, as a covering for human sin. In those days, an innocent lamb would be t- taken as the place of one of the ones who had sinned as a penalty for the sin as the sin was to cause the penalty which we had to pay for in death with jesus christ however the penalty for sin was paid once and for all in romans 6 colon 10 through his death on the cross and the subsequent resurrection jesus became the perfect sacrifice the pure and innocent passover lamb who took our place, atoning for sin and ushering in a new covenant of eternal salvation for all who believe and call upon his name. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, it was John the Baptist who proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world in John 1, 29, connecting Jesus to the sacrificial Lamb who wouldn't just cover sin, but would ultimately take it away. Jesus Christ, as the Lion, conquered sin and death so that we could share in the glory of his eternal kingdom. The victory was made possible through his work on the cross, in which he stepped in as the innocent lamb to be sacrificed for our sin once and for all. Therefore, the lion, we discover the power of Christ as an eternal king, and in the lamb, we find the grace of Jesus as an eternal saviour. My next heading is opposite to love. Uh, Have you noticed people who want to um, control you? Uh, They demonstrate hatred, lies, darkness, all the characteristics of Satan, the devil. I think it's important to know this because actually love and hatred are totally separate and quite easy to identify. 
It's black and white as far as the Lord shows me. There's no sitting on the fence and there is no grey area. You're either on team A or team B. And so you can identify the characteristics of the children of God by using this method. If you were to look at people and see what they're saying, listen to them, you'll be able to identify which team they're on. Are they praising you, giving you encouragement, or are they trying to control you and tell you what to think and what to say? I wanted to bring this up because there's many fake Christians masquerading as children of God. And we are saved through the blood, and we are unified through the blood and through the Spirit, the helper that Jesus left us with. But also sometimes Satan will send in people to masquerade as Christians because Satan is an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. He can shapeshift. That means he can change his appearance. So he's an actor. So the people who, you know, are his minions, who are possessed by demons, are also very good actors. And they can shapeshift in their character. And they can pretend to be Christians. But it's only through listening to what comes out of their mouth that you're able to determine which team they're on. Listening to what they're saying. Because out of the mouth comes everything from the heart. Everything. Remember the tongue also is a very dangerous member. So we have to always have control of our tongue. So in this also, I encourage you sometimes just to shut up and listen. Sometimes the quietness also helps you to think. Sometimes, you know, like the Lord says, be quiet and know that I am God. So I think of that as well. My next heading is the music CD that I made as a young young lady. And when I was in my 20s, I made this CD called Love. And on it, I'd put all my favorite love music, and it reminded me of love, every song that I played within the CD. And I would put it on, and I would always have reminders of incredible feelings, emotions. It would bring me peace and joy. And it so reminded me of the secret garden that I've talked about as well. Having this beautiful music. And so it's interesting how music can bring back memories and feelings. So I might also suggest to you that when you go to the secret garden that you have some very beautiful music playing in the background that give you complete peace and joy and make you feel love as well. I, f I really feel this is important. Hmm. My next heading is there is only one you. As I've discovered, there is only one of you and no one else can be you. I've encountered people in my life who I've met and they've admired me and liked me and they've become my friends. And they try and copy me. Eventually they hate me. I don't know if you've experienced it, but people literally have tried to become me. But you must realize 
that they can never be you, these people. Yeah, they're jealous of you because there's something inside you because Christ is inside you and it's his light that exposes them. They like the feeling because they feed off it as well. They do feed on your energy. So, you know, um, you've got to be careful of it because sometimes people are just there to take what they can as well. Because we're very kind as Christians, we try and help others. And it can involve, you know, quite a lot of um, expense in some cases and sacrifices. But we must be careful also because they can create tornadoes and horrible situations in your life. Because they, they're relying on your weak areas, which is the kindness. They do always seem to see kindness as a weakness. Now, in this development stage of being reborn, I think it's an ongoing process. I also think that we're very vulnerable in this process of trying to find the inner lamb of who we are. Because often this only happens when we've been stripped and then we realize that we've got this little innocent lamb inside us that we've been protecting and fighting for. But actually, all we ever needed was was the Lord, because we've been searching for love, companionship, acknowledgement, praise from man. And, um, you know, when we realize that we can't get it from man, we've been betrayed, then eventually you are stripped. And then you do have to look in the mirror and then, and you do see the little lamb and you go, wow, there's this little lamb in there. I think this is the case for most of us today. I think we've all suffered incredible attacks. I know that I always felt that I didn't fit in. I had to do anything to be loved. And um, for some reason, I just felt like I was an alien on the planet, you know. On, on earth didn't quite fit in no matter what I did tried to pretend um, actually when I was at school so I, I, you know I wasn't popular what I'd do is I'd just walk very fast <laughs> I thought to myself you know what I'll do I'll just walk fast because no one likes me that way they won't notice I haven't got any friends. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? But I think, you know, that inner child, when you come to Christ, it comes back out. And where you've still got your old you, which has had to be the strong lion part, sometimes this can get in the way of you developing the this innocent side of you that was betrayed and had to be abandoned very young and not developed properly. It means that you have to be careful who you surround yourself with because Satan comes to destroy and he will send people in to take you off your pathway, to totally distract you. Just like Jesus says, 
the seeds are sown sometimes on rocks and sometimes on shallow ground and then the wind turfs it up because it's Satan who comes and steals the seeds. So that's why you've got to always renew your covenant with the Lord. Renew your prayer. Do the daily prayer, which is the daily sacrifice, the sinner's prayer, the daily bread. Acknowledging that you are redeemed. Thanking the Lord in praise. Despite all the hardships, because the hardships actually needed to happen so that the lion uh, who you became has to be stripped right back, back to basics. And then all you're left with is you and God and this little lamb that's innocent and hurt and in pain from all the traumas of every day. And we've all had them one way or another. And I've also thought it was very interesting that you get different types of people. Some people who are hurt as young children become very nasty adults, but others, they seem to be um, gluttons for more punishment. They're still very kind as adults and they're still looking for love from people. And they assume that everybody is like them, kind and full of love, but they're not always, so you need to be careful, because in this birthing process, I believe we're very exposed and vulnerable, and until you have built your strength in all your muscles of faith, unity, joy, peace, love in Christ, you're not strong enough to battle some of these characters, and also, that's when you need the spirit and to rely on the Spirit to help you identify people, whether they're your friends or foes, but also you could pray to God and say, God, I don't know what to make of this character. Reveal, please. As I say, sometimes being quiet and just listening is also good. And uh, But when you're stripped bare back to the lamb character, that's when you're vulnerable because you're just developing your new you because you're being reborn. Basically, you're being replaced inside. And just like a child has to learn to walk and talk and eat, you also have to learn to walk, talk and eat everything to do with the Lord because the foundations that you were on were not stable. Now we're standing on the rock and God has to rebuild you, literally, taking everything out. And that's where the enemy doesn't want you to be rebuilt in Christ and stand on the rock. So you'll throw obstacles, throw things at you to get you to fall off the rock, if you know what I mean. And uh, and I think this is all part of the process here. It's the refining um If you're one of God's children, then I believe that you'll be targeted, tested, stripped bare. That's what I believe. Because you can't be one with Christ if you've got lots of other things around. 
your relationship with God is on your own. <clears throat> and your faith is built like a muscle. Where you've got trials and tests. And eventually you go, well, I've been through similar. Um, I know the Lord will provide. Because he provides all the time. And you trust the Lord. Because no one else is there. Because they run away. <laughs> they don't care. They don't. People only care about themselves. So interesting, isn't it? So then you, you know, often you're hurt as well. So that hurts as well. And now you feel really vulnerable. And that's when you really have to rely on Christ and the blood. And you call on the Lord and he provides salvation. He provides a way where there is no way. And this is where the testing comes in. So that the next time you get problems, after this has happened several times, you stop bothering asking anyone for help. <laughs> and you just you just go to the Lord. It's like me when I've moved house, you know. Um, no, no one ever to really help me. So I've got a convertible car. And I've actually moved house with this car, all right? And I've managed to fit in a three-seater sofa. Mm. It looked funny. <coughs> Double beds, the lot, you know. Big pieces of furniture. I used it like a pickup truck. Um, and so, you know, I've just become very good in, at doing things myself. One time when I had to change the locks on a property, I said to the locksmith, would you like a cup of coffee? And he's like, yes, of course. I said, oh, good. I thought, I'm going to watch what he does to change the locks because then I'll know how to do it myself. And so, yes, things like this, I've learned to do myself. It's very handy. It's very handy. <laughs> but God made you so specially, so amazingly, with so much love that he, um, he can't have you as you were, spoiled, because you were spoiled. Like there was mud on you and dirt and mess. And and that involves people as well, because with them comes their mess. <laughs> That's why it's a one-to-one. -one. So in order for him to clean you, you have to come to him on your own. And so, uh, as I say, the more you have these things, the more you realize, well, I don't need to worry because actually you stop worrying about this physical world because nothing else matters. Because once the Lord's provided salvation for you and filled your cup with all this love and you can get this cup of love at any time, you realize that you don't want anything else. See, for a long time I was looking for love from people, men, family, and and what Satan will do is he will turn your family against you. He'll do whatever it takes, yeah, to make you hate God. That's what he tries to do. That's what I've had. And he'll take your business and destroy you financially. Every possible angle, he will try it. And this is to make you hate God. But if you don't hate God, and you just come back to God because you're in trouble and no one else is helping you and everybody's gloating and enjoying watching you have your life destroyed. 
then when you come to the Lord and you pray to God, then when God provides a salvation, you see, and he raises you up better to to them where you were before, financially and in every respect, with more confidence, more courage, more love. (laughs) You become like bomb-proof. We had a horse and he was called Kairat. And uh, Kairat was what we called bomb-proof. And um, he was a, an American saddler horse. We had other horses, but uh, Kairat was, I think he was about 18 years old, 17 hands or 18, about 17 hands height. And um, if you rode him on the, on the main road, and a big truck went by, he wouldn't flinch. And if a big aeroplane, because we lived by an airport, would fly over, he wouldn't flinch. But all the other horses, yes, they'd just absolutely bolt and rush back home. So I think we have to become a bit like that horse Kairat. You know, also horses, they have to be broken in. And so I think we also do. When we become reborn in Christ, You know, with a horse, when they get to about, I think it's three or four, five years old, five years old, then you break them in. And the way you do it is you put them in the lunging center. They go round and round and round and round. (laughs) And they get used to um, the monotony, monotony of going round in circles for number one, being controlled. But also, it gives them something, a relationship that they start to build and a routine. So everything's about routine and discipline. And eventually, then the horse is broken in because it's ridden. Um, you have to walk it. And eventually it becomes quite comfortable with having a saddle on the back of its back. You know, basically, uh, I've referred to this before. If you're the horse, you have to make sure that you Make Jesus your rider and you give him the full reins and become like Kairat. Because if he, if you know that Jesus is riding you and he's got the reins of your life, then you know you're not going to go in the, any wrong direction. You're not going to fall because Jesus is directing your path. And this can really annoy and piss off your enemies because... Every storm that comes your way, even if you flinched in the previous episodes of attack, they watch and God makes you stronger, more courageous, more like this lion. But at the same time, the lamb is also becoming more developed. And so now it's a lion and a lamb, which is Jesus inside you. So interesting. Um, so yeah, it's just got to be careful in your development. Sometimes you can, you know, just get caught up in situations. If you ever feel rushed, you know, when people are rushing you, that's always a bad sign, I find. People who rush me, they're always up to no good. You know, got an estate agent. And uh, if I get a tenant who wants a property and they rush, 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 always find out they're bad tenants. Really, 
And it's always the people that you bend over backwards for that give you trouble. Have you noticed this? For some reason, they think you're weak. So these are all things I've learned. Very interesting. Hmm. Anyway, so there is only one you. Yeah, the only piece of you that was missing was the Lord. And now you've found the Lord. You really got to use the cup and fill yourself up with love all the time. Because the world is going crazy. There's nothing left but the truth and the Lord. We've been stripped of everything, if you notice. So all we have left is the love and the truth and the word and the light and the life of Jesus Christ. And so we need to cling on to that. When everything around us is going bad, we come back to our secret place of the Lord. That's what I think anyway. Nobody can be you. I love it when people try and tell me, you can't do that. They always say, yeah, watch me. Just watch me, I'll do it. <laughs> love a challenge. I do really well under pressure as well. Um, so yeah, just watch me. Um, so, okay. So I wanted to just re-emphasize that you are beautifully and lovingly made by God in Psalm 139, colon 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Because here's the beginning, middle and end. It's so amazing, isn't it? Hmm? And Jeremiah 1 colon 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. How about that? So there's Jeremiah being told that the Lord knew everything about him before he was even formed. So don't doubt the Lord's plan for your life. You can rest in that. Another secret place of rest. See, it's like armor, strong, you're fierce, you're full of love. And we're all standing together, united in the spirit that joins us together because Jesus completed his sentence of words for the will of the Father, which is the will and testament, New Testament, for our inheritance. Obviously, we just have to pick the children now. Super duper. Happy days. My next heading is love in the Bible. In 1 Peter 4, colon 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And it does. It does. It conquers all as well. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 13, colon 4 to 8, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable 
or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burnt, but have not love, I gain nothing. So amazing. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. <laughs> Don't you think that's amazing? So it is, it's all about filling yourself up with the love of Christ. Because once you fill up as well, you've surrendered everything over to God. Because we've all got bits of pain and niggles, we all have. Um, you can guarantee it. Because if you're one of God's children, Satan will make your life difficult. Once you've actually repented and you've handed everything over to the Lord for all your sins, it's a new creature that's created, but you have to really give him the reins, all of it. So you really have to surrender it. Then you can let him do his work in you. I always tell you the same. <laughs> I just go around in circles. <laughs> My next heading is, don't doubt who you are. The way I see it is that children have the same mannerisms and characteristics as their parents. And there are many aspects of them that identify them as the children of their parents as in they have the same ways and uh, and this also applies to the children of God you you also pick up the characteristics and mannerisms and the quirky little things that identify you as a child of God these are very special parts of who you are because they define who you are and also they define your love in Christ's love in you. The way I look at it is that it goes round and round in circles, sharpening itself like a sword, like a sword of truth, but it's also refining as well. And so, it's just like the heart, which is an anagram for the earth, and it goes through labor pains. As a mother, when she goes through labor pains, they get shorter and shorter and more painful before the birth of a new child. And so I believe this happens with your spirit also. And this manifests in you and you become a true child of God. Those pains of life are the birth pains of your spirit, which have to happen in order for you to birth properly. That is why you have to experience these hardships in your life. So that when you come out of the womb, the first thing that you see is the light, which of course is Jesus Christ. You become joined together 
making you one with Christ. As Jesus says, I am with the Father and the Father is with me and I am with you and you are with me. We are all joined together in Christ through his Holy Spirit. This also means you're never alone, no matter what happens. When you walk around, the Lord is inside you. This means you don't have to go to church or go and see a priest to talk to the Lord because he's inside you. <laughs> so amazing. After all, this is why Jesus came here, because in the old days we had to see a priest or go to one of these synagogues. Yes, we don't have to do this anymore. Now, there's no more third party. We can have a direct relationship with the Lord, but it also means no matter how much someone hates you, they can't influence the Lord's feelings or love for you because the Lord knows you inside and out because he can see everything about you. So, and the Bible tells me that Satan comes to kill and destroy. And these are through mind games about what you believe, making you not trust the Lord, making you wonder about your faith, believing in Christ, believing that the Lord really loves you, all sorts of things. This is always what happens when you're going through this rebirth period. And when you realize that the Lord is there and that he's real, you stop worrying about the mind games because it's actually what you believe and what you have faith in because that manifests as the word manifests in your life as you read the word it goes in your eyes through the pineal gland and it manifests into reality so the same if you believe it with all your heart then it has to be real because it is the truth and the truth will set you free <laughs> we are all joined together, of course, in perfect harmony. And together we can conquer everything. Because the devil is dead, dead lived backwards. And then my next heading is Philippians 2, colon 5 to 11. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything. But he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit. But he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. <laughs> and so, it's so amazing actually. Mm -hmm. um, I want to remind you that we are all called by the Lord. It is a narrow path. It is. But we are all called. And we want to make sure that we're chosen. And I also want to remind you that we are all called to preach the gospel once saved. We're all caused, called to tell the truth of Jesus Christ, to baptize and to make disciples of many nations, raise the dead, heal the sick, help the poor, shine the light of Jesus Christ it means that when you've got Christ inside you you are a new creature and the power of God is inside you this is a gift that we cannot waste if we all did our little piece the world would be a different place we've all got to do this and anybody who comes up against you they're not working for you they're working against you they're not working for God. 
In these times, we're told that many people will kill God's children and they will think they're doing the work of God. Yes. And it reminds me so much of what I get on all the platforms. When people tell me women shouldn't minister. Hmm? Well, this is shutting the kingdom of God. Jesus says we're all called. We are. And there's no special ranking system. Um, and that reminds me, I might as well bring up uh, John, 1 John 2, where he talks to the lady. Um, and she's the head of a small church group. And he writes to her, warning her of all the fake Christians. <laughs> but he also reminds her that he, she knew the truth in the beginning. And it's nothing new. And I also think when we come to know the truth, we'll realize that we actually knew the truth all along. Um, and so what I get from this letter, because I was working on this last night, is that she wasn't experienced in running a church because John was having to direct her what to watch out for. It was almost written to someone that he had not met. A very interesting letter. The previous letter that he wrote was, um, I think, to the children. And, uh, and then he also writes to another independent person. Some people say the lady is a church. You see, what I'm thinking is there seemed to be a real attack on females. I think females are incredibly loving, actually loving creatures. Men are a bit more sort of robust and they don't cry and things. So they haven't got the same elements as a mother or a woman. Hmm. So something's wrong here. And I don't like it. It makes me feel they're trying to undermine females. And so I just wanted to point that out. That um, we've got enemy attacks and lies trying to tell us that we can't be what we are meant to, to do, what we are called to do. We're all called. We are. And some people will be given different things to others. Some people will be given prophecies and tongues to understand and speak different tongues and healing and all but all of them are available to us and so we must pray for spiritual uh, birth in all of these gifts of the spirit i also encourage you to pray before you go to bed um but yeah as i was saying if anybody is trying to deviate from what Jesus tells us, then they're not working for God. And what I thought was so interesting with this letter to the lady is that he goes on about, well, if anyone comes to you with a different gospel to what we preach, then you must turf them out, you know, don't have anything to do with them. And so basically also what that warns me of is all these people who try and tell me that women cannot be ministers. Because this goes against the gospel. It does. I know there is something in uh, in the gospel 
where Paul writes to Timothy, but at the time he was imprisoned with a female uh, minister. Yes. So he obviously wasn't talking to all females. And most of these uh, ministries, if you notice, this lady is obviously running a ministry in her house. And if she wasn't a, um, the head of the church, then who is she? She has to be a head of the church for that building, for this place, who is now receiving letters. Also, when he, Paul, uh, sorry, when John writes to um, this lady, he also writes to someone else and refers to the congregation of that ministry that he's writing to, of that gentleman, as that gentleman's children in the spirit. But also with this lady, she is also a minister and has children in the spirit. So it cannot be the church that John is writing to. It has to be a leader. So this also just proves a point. So I think the enemy has really tried to twist everything. <laughs> and um, well, the Lord points it out to me. And so I want to encourage you, you know, if you're a female and uh, if you're called, don't let the enemy tell you otherwise that you cannot do it. Because if the Lord has ordained it, it will happen, as it happened to me. Yes. And the Lord doesn't need us. We need Him. <laughs> but if He has put something on your hearts, it's not some imaginary thing. This is the Lord always. Mm -hmm. So, and it's true. The Lord says, if you seek me and put me above everything, I'll give you the desires of your hearts. Well, all I can say is everything he says is true because he has made all of my desires of my heart come true. Even in the tough times, I want you to also think about this. Now, when I was hacked, I was having a hard time. But I just had this feeling I must go and get out. And So my daughter and I went out on our bicycles. And we had the most wonderful day. And so I want you to try and think this way also, about making some happy memories, even though you're going through these struggles. Yes? And you can do this in many ways. I used to have a lucky dip bag for the children because I was always stuck with ideas what, what to do with them. So uh, we put our hands in the lucky dip bag and, you know, pull out, go to the zoo or go to the beach and paint pebbles or, you know, all sorts of different things. But these sort of things really help you because it gives you something to get excited about. I want you to fill your mind with all the things that make you excited. Write a list of all the things that make you feel all happy and full of joy and then include them in your plan of every day. Include the Lord in that plan and he'll fill you with all the joy. It'll reconnect you up 
and it make you all full of happiness and joy and authority and power because also we have authority over demons we do and uh, that's another reason why these people who tell you that certain people can't do certain things they work for the pits because they don't want you to know that you have authority to cast out demons because we need to know the tools because we're dealing with spiritual warfare here and it's very much the case now so all the leaders of the world are witches and warlocks we need to know how to fight them in the spirit yes and that's one of my specialities um and so i pray with my friends and my other brothers and sisters in christ removing demons praying through jesus to help us i pray for all of our brothers and sisters don't forget to pray for your brothers and sisters in christ because we're all over the world and we're all united through the spirit and we all love one another love will conquer everything and it's true so um these people who try and create division can only be working for satan because he causes division and hatred and competes and tries to make you feel like you're not worthy these are not characteristics of jesus it's about identifying the characteristics of love and truth and life and the light and the word of Jesus and then you've got the opposite as in death evil darkness lies sin hatred all the characteristics of those so we only get one go at this as well okay so we need to make sure we got it right so now that you know who you who you're working with and power and the authority that comes with it the fact that Jesus is inside you yeah you need to know that you have authority over demons to cast them out once you're fully redeemed so really this happens more and more through understanding the gospel and and reading the word okay but prayer overcomes everything so i've found and so you can pray about anything and it doesn't matter how crazy it is you know <laughs> if you believe it and uh, you pray to the lord he can provide a salvation where there is no salvation every single time he says if you believe with faith as small as a mustard seed you could move a mountain i believe it you know and so you should also practice makes perfect so the more you go through these trials the more you realize that god is there the more you stop worrying when you've got rid of all the hatred and all that the lord fills you up with love and then you even love your enemies and then they can't hurt you and that even pisses them off even more it's so funny by the way i've got a new swear word suck snakes very good so um just remember that the lord loves you so very much he does that's why he sent his only son here to die on the cross for you and it's not a competition it isn't we're all the same we want to be children of god and so this is where we just have to keep running the race not look back not look to the side but just keep looking forward all for the glory of the lord have you noticed the lord always uses nobodies hmm? 
And so this is so it's for the glory of the Lord, because it proves that it's through the Lord. And that person had no means or power to do anything, like the story of Joseph, who then became, you know, second under Pharaoh when his brothers sold him for 20 pieces of silver, you know, to the Ishmaelites. Come on. So amazing. And I also, <laughs> I also have the uh, sort of phrase which I say, get a grip and get real. You know, just remember who you are. No gray areas. You're either black or white. You're either on God's team or not. Don't sit on the fence. Be strong in who you are. Stand on the rock because the Lord straightens any crooked paths. He does. And people will come and make you doubt the word of the Lord. So try and, um, you know, read some Bible, some of the Bible every day, just to give you more courage. Uh, because the words, I believe, come alive inside you. I really believe this. As in Ezekiel, eats the scroll sweet as honey, and it's bitter when it hits his stomach. That's because it's like the truth, which is bitter when you know the truth. But also, the word, I think, manifests once gone through the eye and the pineal. So I wanted to share that with you. I think it's an incredible time to be alive. Don't doubt who you are. Don't let anyone put you down. Yeah? Always remember that the Lord made you for a reason. And if you're alive today, then the Lord has anointed and appointed these very days and you are here for a reason. It's about answering the call because we are all called and saying, yes, Lord, I'm ready when you are and praying we are ready, but being ready. Ready is read, as in read. And so try and read your Bible if you can. Watch the Bible series on YouTube. That'll give you a good start, get you really interested in the Bible. And then watch some of the Bible movies to get you into the stories. And then you'll want to read the Bible. Start with a kid's Bible if necessary. But strength lies in knowledge uh, and being confident with it. Because otherwise you get to, <laughs> the fake Christians come along and they say, yeah, but it says this, this and this, and they twist it. Yeah. So, but the truth will always overcome the lies. So, that's why I always go, well, what does it say in the Bible? And I always find that people can't argue with that. So it's in the Bible, see? Happy days. The Lord's in control of everything. He really is. Every single little thing in this world, he knows everything. Um, even Satan and his cronies. So if you know that, you stop worrying about everything. He's got a plan. Trust him. Right, I'm going to close with a sinner's prayer. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, I know that you came to earth and died on the cross for my sins. I know you are the Son of God. I know I am this, a sinner. I beg forgiveness for my sins. I wish to follow you. I am washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. I cast out all demons, hexes, curses, witchcraft, Satan and his cronies in the name of Jesus. And if my family have followed pagans, witchcraft, Satanism, Freemasons or the Masons or any tarot readers or any pagan festivals, including Christmas, birthdays or any of these other evil events, I ask that you forgive me right now and you break those chains 
of any generational curses and remove those generational curses upon me and my family, past, present and future, in the name of Jesus Christ. Please also give us peace, joy and happiness that we may shine the light of Jesus Christ, that others may know the truth of who Jesus is and be saved as well. Please also give us wisdom and understanding to navigate this world. Please give us all the resources financially to support ourselves with our accommodation, food, uh, children, transport, animals, and everything else that we need, including jobs, etc. I know that you know what we need before we ask, and we acknowledge you and we praise you for being King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and for being our Redeemer, and for saving us, and for being our salvation for making us new creatures, for seeing us worthy to save us. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. It's Aisha from God FM. I hope you have an amazing afternoon. Goodbye.